I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. What for you makes it better than the rest? What What element makes it the greatest? I think like, and this sounds extremely... uh. I'm preparing myself. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Extremely uh, something. Get your big council buttons out, everybody. Vinny's about to drop like, himself in here. <laughs> get my like fucking neck beard, weeby Reddit alert. <laughs> here we it's, go. It's almost like it's not even a game anymore. <laughs> oh my god! Like it's 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 art in its purest form. I'm not joking. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Goats, the show where we try to find the greats of all time. I am the umpire for this week and as always I'm joined by my two fantastic friends and co-hosts Vinnie Middlemost and Michael Davey. Hello. How are you both doing? Doing good mate, how are you doing? Well, yeah, how am I doing? So obviously this is a bit of a peek behind the curtain. Um, we're recording this on a Wednesday night. Today, uh, about what, you know, mid-morning, Michael said, oh, you know, do you reckon we could record about seven? Yeah, about seven. We all said, yeah, that'll be fine. And uh, the time now, 20 to eight, and I've had a bit of an evening. I'm not the best with sense of direction. I should preface this story by saying that. And I rely heavily on my phone to get to and from work. Because you have to weave through all the London traffic. I'm on a bike again. My bike's been repaired. Happy days. So just as I was leaving today, my phone, which had all my notes on, by the way, for this show, has been playing up a little bit. I thought maybe I should do all my notes on a Google Doc. I didn't. Or trusty pen and paper. Or trusty pen and paper. My phone did the El Clasico, went from about 80% battery to 2% battery, and then just wouldn't turn back on. So I was riding home, flying by the seat of my pants, and then a uh, a thunderstorm happened, and <laughs> there was like actual thunder and lightning crashing across the road, and a journey that normally takes me twenty five minutes took me an hour and ten. Wow! Wow! That bad yeah. of direction, eh? I am quite bad at direction, but also uh, the thunderstorm meant that I had to ride at about ten miles an hour. Yeah, can't you go faster in a thunderstorm? Because, like, can't you, like, when the thunder just, like, the lightning just hit you, you just fucking, boom, just fucking go. <laughs> That's not what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> Seb, just to warn you, me and Vinny have been 
as Seb just said, he's very late to this recording. So me and Vinny have been warming up for about 40 minutes. Um, <laughs> and so it's, this is going to be a disaster, but we'll, we'll go with it, shall we? Does anyone have any other, you know, bits and bobs before we crack on? I, t- I messaged on the um, chat that we have that you should watch the Arsenal documentary, Arsene Wenger Invincible, and you should, definitely. That's something that... Oh, uh, um, yeah. You should that, definitely yeah, watch it. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it's on Amazon Prime. It's really, really good. And at the end, it's really honest. Arsene Wenger, like, commentates the whole thing himself. And it's so honest, like, the stuff he's talking about. It's amazing. But his, like, obviously it goes through the Invincible season. That's mainly what it's about. But then it goes on from that and, like, moving to the Emirates and, you know, the difficulties of Arsenal and fourth being a trophy and blah, blah, blah. And, and his, like, regrets or what he should have done or this or that. And it's just really good and really honest. I won't say too much because it might spoil it because I've never heard Arsene Wenger speak that honestly. But so good. Definitely, definitely watch it. I listened to his uh, audiobook or his autobiography on Audible that was narrated by him. And a lot of the stuff he says is like really eye-opening, like especially towards the end of his tenure. Just like the, the amount of grief he got from the Arsenal supporters. It's, just, yeah. it's, just, it's pretty heartbreaking, to be honest. Yeah, because the amount he did for the club. Well, this well. and world football, like, he fully revolutionised English and world football, like in the same way like people like Pep Guardiola yeah. have. And then for him to be completely abused at the end of yeah his spell with Arsenal, I think he took really badly, which is fair enough. But I think yeah, I think you know, football fans we've all got very short memories, haven't we? I think I sort of forgot how insane Arsene Wenger was in those early years and stuff. Well, this isn't a football show, but it was for Let's five minutes. Let's get into this one. Then. Um, I've got an announcement that I didn't run past you two. I just Brilliant. thought I'd I announce love surprises. it. You do love surprises. So the surprise is this: I've come up with a challenge. Not for you two, but for our, by this point, enormous listener base. And the challenge is called the Telemate Challenge. Now, the Telemate Challenge, to my eyes anyway, is going to go like this. If you send a screenshot of you telling a mate about this show, we'll read your name out at the end of the show. What do you reckon? Brilliant. Let's Genius, do it. Isn't it. Everybody loves a shout out. I mean, in. national radio has survived this long on shout outs, hasn't it? Everybody listening to the radio texts in and says, can you please say my name? And they say, oh, we've got a text here from John in Scunthorpe. And John in Scunthorpe is absolutely buzzing that that's all that they said. And he'd be telling all his exactly. mates, oh, 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 they said, said, said my name on, on Radio 1 earlier. Oh, amazing. And he doesn't beat his wife later. <laughs> Yeah, it's a win-win for everyone, really. <laughs> so, yeah, sorry, I've had like half a beer, so I'm oh dear. Oh <laughs> rowdy. Dear. The other thing I realised, as I was saying that, actually, is that we don't have anywhere for them to send them. So I think what we'll do after this is one of us will set up maybe an official GOATS Instagram. Check the description for this episode, yeah. and we will have set up an Instagram, an email, you know, you can fucking... Send us a TikTok. We're not getting a TikTok. Are we, we not? Getting a, why we, we're not getting a TikTok, are we? Everyone's on TikTok. Monsters are on TikTok. Hillary Clinton's on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> Who's on TikTok? Monsters are on TikTok. I'm not going on TikTok. I've read the BBC articles. I've seen the news. <laughs> yeah, the don't go on it. You get nonstop. I'm not, I'm not going on TikTok. The Telemate Challenge. We want it. Yeah. yeah I, so- I think the Telemate Challenge is a brilliant idea. Definitely. Telemate. Send us a screenshot instagram email and we will 
read your name out and maybe the message that you sent your friend or something to that yeah effect. oh yeah if you can put in some funny little a bit little about quip. life yeah maybe put a funny little quip in there screenshot it send it to us and we'll read your name out at the end of the next show we'll read it out anyway yeah. should we crack on with the show let's do it seb let's get into it go for it what we did this week so since man first crawled out of the water which is my understanding of evolution. Since they first dwelt in caves, man has always thought, and Wu Man has always thought, would it be great if I could pretend I was doing something more fun? And obviously, for about two million years, we had to make do with writing on the walls in our own shit. And then, in 1948, everyone's favourite Alan Turing came up with a programme. And that program was a chess program designed to play against a computer. Now, computers weren't developed enough at the time. And unfortunately, Alan Turing was forced into suicide by the British government for being gay, despite saving the lives of thousands of people. And so that program never came to fruition. But that program became the very first computer game. So today we will be discussing the greatest computer games of all time. Now, whether you want to, I don't know, solve interesting puzzles on Portal or be called the N-word on Halo, video games have offered us all a little slice of solace and a little slice of excitement in our otherwise very boring lives. Vinny, you won last week and you went last last week. You won the week before and you went last the week before. So, to try and even things out, you know, just to get rid of any potential bias because you're, you went last and maybe it was more fresh in my memory, mm-hmm. you're going to go first this week. So, Vinny, what is your pick for the greatest video game of all time? So, I have picked Dark Souls. Of course. Of course, yes. Uh, and unfortunately, while writing the script, I had too much to say. And I've got about two pages of notes and that's about a quarter of what I wanted to say. Yeah, I <laughs> we're going to do a lot of freestyling. It's probably going to get really rambly and incoherent. But I think I might be able to convince you that Dark Souls, from Software's 2011 Dark Souls, is indeed the greatest game of all time. The lucky thing is that the start of this episode was so coherent that you know, we can get away with a bit of rambling now. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the start was so professional. It was just an absolute masterpiece. Yeah, take it away, Vinny. So ain't gonna end well. Carry on. Right, okay. So I think the best way to start talking about Dark Souls is to discuss the intro. You start the game in some prison cell somewhere in an asylum in the north where all the undead have been corralled. Somebody in armor drops your cell key from above and now begins the tutorial level, which you can very easily speedrun if you've already played the game before. So it's not one of those annoying tutorials that holds your hand the entire way. A little later on, you'll find the same man in armor dying in a cell. He asks you to hear his dying tale. He tells you of a prophecy that's been passed down for generations, and a chosen undead will fight his way all the way to the first flame and relink it. What's the first flame? We'll get into that later. Thus continuing the Age of Fire. Then he gives you the Estus Flask, the game's healing item mechanic, and then dies. Later on, you find the Asylum Demon, a huge fat demon with a massive hammer which can destroy the pillars you're in. He's extremely intimidating at first, especially as your starting weapon. A broken straight sword does piss all damage to him, but you basically just have to run past him. Essentially, you find your actual good weapons later on in the level and loop back around to fight him once more in a more fair fight. And after you kill him, you finally can leave the undead assignment. 
And then a giant black bird takes you to the City of Gods, Lordran, which is where the rest of the game takes place. From there, you're finally free to explore the game in its entirety. And you can very easily reach endgame areas from the starting point if you do so choose. There's a lot of freedom in the way Dark Souls just gives the player just like everything to do at once, but does sort of point you in the right direction so that you don't just get completely lost. It's not overwhelming, but the freedom is like 100% there. So I guess the first thing to talk about with Dark Souls and how it differs from a lot of RPGs and other games is its healing mechanic, the Estus Flask, and also the bonfires it uses, which is basically kind of like a checkpoint system. So the Estus Flask is basically a healing potion and has a limited amount of uses, starting with five. You replenish your Estus Flask every time you sit down at a bonfire and you can upgrade each bonfire in the game so it gives you more Estus Flask you can use. What this basically means is the Estus Flask grants the player a certain number of fuck-ups that they are allowed to have as they travel from one bonfire to the next. And it really gives an interesting choice to the player where they could be really far along in a level and really low slash empty on Estus and they're not really sure where or how far the next bonfire is. This choice is really, really interesting because not only do you replenish your Estus flasks and health at each bonfire but every enemy in the game also resurrects at every bonfire barring mini bosses and bosses so basically it gives the player this really interesting choice where they can either turn back and rest at a known bonfire but having to go through that exact same level all the way again or they could keep going and try to reach the next bonfire no matter like even though they have no idea where the hell it is it could be around the corner it could be a long way away of course, the first choice is the safe choice, and the player has all the freedom to, in the world to do that and just reset the level and attempt it again, but with the added knowledge of the layout and also the enemies. But the second choice gives the player the level of tenseness and uneasiness that makes the world feel so unforgiving and yet exhilarating. Another interesting mechanic for Dark Souls is the souls themselves. Souls are basically like the in-game currency used to buy and sell like weapons, items, armor, just general equipment from like random NPCs you find across the world. But it also works as the XP. So it gives you another interesting choice where you could say like, right, I could spend these souls on some arrows or maybe a new piece of armor or maybe a new weapon or something like that. Or I could use these souls and level up my health a bit more or like my stamina or a bit more like I could do a bit more damage or something like that. So the player is basically just always making choices throughout the game. It's really, really fun. Now, when you die in Dark Souls, all that happens is you respawn at your last bonfire with all your weapons and stats completely untouched. Nothing changes. The only thing that does change is that all of your souls get taken away. Now, these souls aren't gone forever, mind you. You can pick them back up again if you return to the spot you died in. But if you were to die before you picked your souls up, they do get lost forever. This all culminates in an extremely relieved feeling if you were to make it to the next bonfire with basically no Estus Flasks left, half health, and a bunch of souls, and really helps give the player a real feeling of progression and accomplishment in a world that's seemingly so overwhelming in its cruelty and oppression. Isn't it really hard? Yeah, it is fucking hard. So when you well, think about dying, don't you just die all the time? Is it really hard? The idea of the game is basically, like, you are going to die, get over it. Like, it's a lot of kind of trial and error. So you go into a new area and start killing some enemies and suddenly, bam, there's an ambush. You might die, whatever. That's fine. You respawn pretty close to where you died. You can do that area again. You now know there's an ambush there. Okay, now you can better prepare for that ambush and then you can maybe either avoid it completely or just like kill the enemies in the ambush and then there's, you know, it just carries on with more and more stuff. 
so like the idea of the game is literally you will die just get over it like it's not the end of the world if you die because you lose nothing unless you you know lost a lot of souls but then you know that's where it gets like really like it's about intense learning. and interesting yeah so is, yeah. has anybody ever done it not died oh, oh yeah 100 percent uh there's i mean actually yeah i'm i'm doubting the skills of the modern gamer on i these guys are nuts there is a speed run someone did where they played and beat every single Dark Souls game, and I want to say maybe also killed all of the bosses in all the all the Dark Souls games, which includes all the optional ones, without being hit once, not even without dying, without being touched, without being hit a single time. That's three games, three entire games in a row. I think it took him like twelve hours or something. It's actually ridiculous. You have to say fair enough, don't you? You do have yeah. to say fair enough. That's dedication. We say fair enough to you, man, who yeah. did that very admirable feat. I have to say, I personally actually do watch... I don't watch a lot of Twitch streaming, but one of the things I do watch is a Twitch streamer called Geekatana, and she does no-hit Dark Souls runs on Dark Souls 3. I have to say, I did know a little bit about Dark Souls, but what I didn't know anything about was the kind of lore. I wasn't really aware there was any. Like, I've played a little bit, and I've watched a lot, and I've never really taken any notice of the lore or the story. And I didn't really know there was one. Yeah, the lore in all the Dark Souls games is very much like it doesn't really shove it in your face. Like, which I really like because it's not like there's other games where there's a lot of like exposition. You have to sit through a lot of people talking, a lot of just a lot of things just thrown at you. And you have to be like, you have to learn this. This is interesting. You must find this interesting. This is the world kind of thing. But like, there's basically none of that except for the opening cinematics, which you can just skip if you just want to play the game. And all of the history and all the lore and all the characters are all just like extremely obscure and like all just written on just like item descriptions essentially like the entire law of the game was just built on item descriptions so like there was actually a really interesting contest way back in the day when dark souls first released where from software who's the the company who made dark souls they put out a competition i think for like ten thousand dollars they asked fans to email into them and basically ask them what do you think the story of dark souls is what do you think is actually happening just think about that they actually had a contest <laughs> To just, to How much did you say to, they won? Ten thousand. Ten thousand pounds. Just tell yeah. us this is an entire game. Like there's multiple games. Well, this was this tell was us the, the story. First game. Oh, well, after the first games, tell us the story of this. Tell us what the main character in the in the in the game has done. Tell us what's what happening, etc. Yeah, nuts. That is That's mental. Mad. It's very obscure. It's really, really, really cool lore, though. Really, really interesting stuff. Now, yeah. as the umpire, it's my job. To play devil's umpire everything you're saying is very interesting it's very true and it is a really good game there is a little bit of an assumption that people who play dark souls are kind of what's the word elitist a bit elitist and a bit gatekeepery and the idea that you're playing a game that the story is so complicated and difficult to understand that they ran a competition sort of backs that up well yeah maybe you mean... just got you just got murked <laughs> no 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 no. i i completely agree the community is like extremely elitist but there is some merit in the elitism like because you're well, saying whole... it's the best game ever aren't you so... well no 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 because the, the whole idea of the game 
Dark Souls literally just thrives on the feeling of overcoming basically insurmountable odds and just making it to the top of that mountain. Like, I can't tell you the amount of times I bashed my head against a certain boss or certain area for ages and not being frustrated at the game because honestly, if you know how to play your character is extremely overpowered. Like the rolling mechanic is very, very, very good. It comes out frame one and you're just basically invulnerable for 12 frames and you can spam it essentially if you have the stamina to keep up. But like, you know, it. like when you die, it's your fault. Like it's always your fault. You were just being, what's the word? You were being, uh, you were being not cautious enough. You weren't being, uh, you're too reckless. Being too, being too reckless, being too brash, just being an idiot, basically. You, I, I've never had a death where I thought it was the game's fault. I always just thought, yeah, I fucked up there. I should have done that. I should have done this. And when you finally make it to the top and you finally beat that thing, oh my god, it's the best feeling in the world. It's so incredible. I Honestly, I've never felt it in any other game ever, honestly. And it's kind of ruined video games for me forever. It's kind of like the gaming equivalent of like a cold shower. It's very, yeah. it's very pious. Like it's a bit sort of flagellating, you know. It's like a a, These I'm are big fucking... words, mate. I mean, <laughs> you have to double down like for me and Michael. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's a bit like you know. It's a bit scary. It's a bit like auto erotic asphyxiation. You know, when you put a belt around your neck what? when you're having a wank. Right. Right. It's a bit like that. It's a bit like <laughs> you're kind of getting off on how hard it is, and how awful it is. A bit. For the rush at the end is what you mean. For the rush at the end, exactly. So what you're saying, let me break down your (laughs) let me break down your cold shower analogy. Yeah. You were saying it's like a cold shower because a cold shower is like horrible while you're in it. But when you freeze when you get out, you're like, I've done it. I've had a cold shower and it's probably good for me. And I haven't, you know, used fossil fuels to heat the water to have that. You feel good. anything about wanking let's you, just no. stick with this analogy you feel good about doing something that's hard and horrible because now yeah. you've gone through that experience and you've completed it and that's but, you're saying that's what dark souls is like because it's so difficult you're like oh my god i'm never gonna do this but the dopamine rush at the end when you do it it's like just so worth it it was worth exactly, the pain thank for you the yes that's exactly what i was saying yeah 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 well also, the thing is, the game really isn't that hard. Like, I'm just going to put it out there. Fuck off. No, oh, no, no, here no, no, he no. goes. Here he goes. Because you're the master. There, there are ways of making the game a lot easier on yourself. Like, Cheap. genuinely. <laughs> you could, like, explore around, find new items, find, like, more souls. You could, like, literally just upgrade your weapons so you can make, get, like, really good weapons. And, like, there's a lot of really overpowered weapons in that game that could just destroy bosses. You could also summon NPCs to help you with boss fights. You can summon other players to help you with boss fights, which completely trivialize boss fights. Like, you could use sorcery, which is just so broken and overpowered. I don't understand why they shipped out sorcery in that state, but it's there. Like, there are ways of making the game easier if, if you're having a hard time. And honestly, anytime I have used those ways after being frustrated, I always felt like I just felt a bit cheated. I felt like I didn't really deserve you that. Felt like, you felt like you got three quarters of the way through washing your hair in a freezing cold shower and you couldn't handle it anymore, so you just turned the hot tap on. Yeah. Yeah. So I've done most of the hard work, but I yeah. just I couldn't and finish like, oh, it. And I so... just, oh, quick, quick little blast of heat before I get out. Yeah, yeah. Interesting, because as much as I'm sort of nagging on it right now, this conversation is making me want to play Dark Souls. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say it's... it's wanting to make you have a wank in a cold shower, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Now that's uh, yeah, that's tricky. I'll tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> 
Fucking hell. Do you have anything left to defend Dark Souls as the greatest game? Because you've talked a lot about what you think makes it enjoyable. And you've talked a lot Mm. about why it's the best game in terms of reward. But what for you makes it better than the rest? What, What element makes it the greatest? I think like, and this sounds extremely, uh, I'm preparing myself. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> extremely I something. Get your big council buttons out, everybody. Vinny's I'm about to drop like, himself in here. <laughs> get my like fucking neck beard, weeby Reddit alert. <laughs> here we it's, go. It's almost like it's not even a game anymore. <laughs> oh my like it's, it's, it's art in its purest form. I'm not joking. <laughs> <laughs> i mean i mean god i mean you know i don't agree but i, I mean you've never you've never played it so no, i mean no but i well, i'm i'm definitely i'm about to defend you here i'm a, i was gonna say was I, I you know i he's got a point i think video games are media if a film and a song they're media if they can be art I think video games can be art as well. I think it takes an artist to draw the animations and think of all that. So I think that video games are can, could be considered art. If me splattering paint on a wall is considered art as well, you know, definitely games can, can be considered art. So I agree with you there, Vinny, but I don't necessarily agree with your statement. <laughs> <laughs> no, do you know yeah. what? I, th- I think Dark Souls is a, is a fantastic game. And, and also, I feel kind of guilty because I'm bashing on it for comedy value, but I do watch a lot of people do Dark Souls runs. And I do think there is something, especially once you've played it, I almost sometimes, I personally definitely feel that watching Dark Souls, watching someone play Dark Souls well, is as enjoyable, if not for me, more enjoyable than actually playing it. Like watching someone just killing it and like doing everything so right is very impressive in a way that I don't think watching someone play I don't think watching someone play The Witcher, which I personally is one of my favourite games, The Witcher 3, I wouldn't watch someone else play The Witcher 3. But I would watch someone else play Dark Souls in the same way that I might watch someone else do keepy-ups. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, it's 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 a difficult game. Um, you, you admire the skill because you understand. Yeah, like there is definitely like a real skill yeah. to playing Dark Souls. And like, I think that is actually, to be fair, one of the things that maybe gives Dark Souls and I don't think it has a bad reputation. I think it has an incredible reputation. They just like yeah. software. I mean, they're they're like God. This is the weebiest shit I'm going to say all day. They're like they're like the Tarantino of developers. They haven't really put out a bad game, really. Like for yeah. the last like ten years, they've only put out critically acclaimed games, and that is impressive. Yeah. And I think part of that is the fact that you do actually have to develop a skill set to finish them. And I think that is a really impressive dynamic. And I think it's like a very clever way of creating a game because I think a lot of games, with the exception of a few, a lot of games are kind of on rails and you feel like they haven't created a medium for you to play a game. They've kind of created a medium for you to watch a selection of cutscenes and just move from one to the other in an enjoyable way. Exactly. It is kind of quite roller coaster like whether or not that qualifies it to be the greatest of all time is yet to be seen. We'll have to see what Michael's bringing to the table, but I definitely see where you're coming from. Honestly, I could fill up maybe four hours of just talking about Dark Souls, like everything from like any part of the game, you look at some like tower in the distance and 
there's a very very good chance you could get to that tower at some point in the game like things like that and it's so like interesting because the world is so interconnected and there's just like all these branching pathways that somehow lead back to the main hub area and like it's just it's the way it's like the level design is just it's so beautifully crafted and just like just wraps around so like neatly and nicely it's just it's really really fun to like discover these like shortcuts and realize oh shit i'm back here i didn't realize i was like even in this area at all and it's all to scale like 100 percent scale it's just so impressive would you describe it as open world yeah it's not open world like like skyrim or like a ubisoft game like far cry or even like elden ring like elden ring is open world for all intents and purposes but it's got open world elements i mean from like the start of the game you could pretty much go kind of anywhere you want but there is only kind of really it's fairly linear really until the midway point and then suddenly opens up and then suddenly you can go anywhere you want it's got elements of open world. I wouldn't. I wouldn't classify it as a strictly open world RPG, though. Interesting. Well, before we listen to what Michael has to say, I thought I'd intersect this midway point, and I just saw it was an interesting question. I don't want Michael to spoil his choice, but are either of your games that you've chosen the game that you think you've put the most time into? No, I don't think no. it is. Now that is interesting. So, yeah. Michael, what game do you think you put the most time into? I was thinking about this last night, actually, and I, I know for a fact if I could have added up the hours, I definitely put the most time into Pokemon Gold. Really? De- really? Definitely. Definitely. I think I played that game on my... I had a limited edition Pikachu Game Boy Color. It was my most prized possession, and I think I, I genuinely think I played that game... Well, I played it every day, for sure, for years. Every single day, in the car, on the way to school, in the car on the way home, get home do if i need to do any homework i'll probably wouldn't even do it i'll just play pokemon dinner bang eat that pokemon bed done next day like just again and again and again i definitely think pokemon yeah that's really surprised me to be honest yeah that's really surprised me i thought for sure you were gonna say skyrim no i've barely played skyrim honestly i've played it loads of times but i i've never completed any of the main quests i don't think i've ever got past like being level 25 in skyrim Really? Genuinely, I actually know nothing about Skyrim, but I've started about 25 characters. you got to do the Dark Brotherhood quest lines. Yeah, I've never, start, sure never done that. For sure the best quest the only, line. The only far. main quest I think I've ever completed are the College of Winterhold ones and the Thieves Guild one. That's it. I've, I've literally yeah. barely played it. That's mad. That really, what crazy. would you say you've put the most hours into? Uh, like, this isn't even, like, this is, like, definitive. It's just World of Warcraft. Like, it's crack. Like, all MMORPGs are crack. It's the same thing with Old School RuneScape. I, I don't play these games anymore because they're so fucking addictive. Like, I will just spend, like, five hours grinding. And is it bad be, like, that was it should fun. be banned? No, I don't think it should be banned. No, like, you know, like, every now and then I'll I'll play a bit of my crack. friends are playing them. But, like, I know that it's it's just such a grind and it takes so long to get to the place you really want to be that most of the time I just I'm just like I'd rather do other things. Yeah. You know, I'd just rather, you know, fill out my day with other things rather than just sitting on my computer and playing. I guess when you start feeling guilty about it, you're like, I should stop. But it's, yeah, be- but exactly. it's because it's I guess you're saying it as well, because it's so good you can't. It's just it hits they've gotten it down. I don't know, they've got some scientists. It's an algorithm. Neurons. 
they, they've got yeah. the algorithm down they've got like the dopamine down like everything from the sound effects to like how many times you level up every hour or whatever like everything it just culminates in just like the ultimate dopamine experience i feel like i'm a hamster on in you know like a, <laughs> science like experiment yeah exactly like and i'm gambling just... people they like specifically design things to make you gamble more and more and more and you yeah. don't even like realize it's happening yeah exactly it's just like yeah. pure like heroin to my name <laughs> essentially how many hours do you think you put into a world of warcraft uh <laughs> a bad amount of hours uh it's not hours it's days we're talking um, but like are we talking like a thousand hours no, we're talking maybe. Let me think, because you can do a, you can find out the stats of your all your characters if you type in slash played. It's it tells you exactly how many seconds, to minutes, hours, days you played. And last, I think last time I checked, my main character had like sixty days, and that's one character. Sixty days. Yep, that's one character, and I have Jesus fuck fifteen. Like, yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> it's crack. That's it's literally like crack. Genuine. Holy fuck, Vinny, that's a lot of hours. That is a I've, lot of hours. I've known people who, in three years, have put away 365 days in one character. Fuck. That's insane. Mm-hmm. They got him. They got him. It should be they illegal. Yeah. yeah. That's mad. I don't know. I've never put anything close to that many hours into anything. Embarrassingly, I think the games I've put the most time into, I put a lot of hours into The Witcher because I sort of almost completed it and then stopped and I'm now playing through it again. Yeah. And I... Th- this is so embarrassing oh my god it's not like a porn simulation or something is it no it's not a porn simulation because i because just the last couple of episodes the the things you've been coming out did you play sexy flash games when you were a kid though no (laughs) you didn't play sexy flash games you didn't what surely i played flash games but i didn't play sexy my my computer was in the living room we had a family i didn't have risked it Oh, danger wank mate danger, danger wank they're the best wanks i know i don't know if i know even know if i wanked i just kind of did it yeah no i definitely did not with my it was back in the day and you had to have a family computer i didn't have a computer in my bedroom or anything like that you've never played sexy flash games no god that's a whole world that's going to open up to you oh no oh, well, flash isn't a thing anymore no flash is dead so yeah that ship has sailed god. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, 
you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Are we all ready? Are we all sitting comfortably? Are we ready, Michael, for you to tell us what you think is the greatest video game of all time? Yeah. Well, no, not well. Uh, in typical video game fashion, I'm going to sort of cheat a little bit. Um, I hope that's all right. I actually don't really care if it's not because that's part of it, isn't it, really? So I've not really picked one particular individual game. I've sort of picked an entire franchise. But I'm going to asterisk one of those installments in that franchise sort of as my favorite. Is that all right? Interesting. Like I said, yeah, I don't I mean, really care if it's not. But, God, so that's yeah. what's happening. Bad so, Boy Michael's come out to play. Oh yeah, this is, you know, none of this nerd shit, none of this majors and shit. I'm getting my Chad hat on <laughs> right now, all right? Sorry to all the Chads who are listening. I'm sure there's loads of you, you know, but this is what's happening. So I have gone with Call of Duty. Of course. Asterix, Modern Warfare 2, probably as wee, my wee, wee, wee. <laughs> <laughs> What? What was that? Yeah, you know the oh, noise. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we're, oh, we're gonna get, we're gonna get to that. Don't you worry. We are gonna get to that. And I'm glad you. Oh, I'm glad baby, that was the first thing. Skull. I'm glad that's the first thing you thought of, Vinny, because you really are gonna, you know, emphasize my point as to why Call of Duty is the greatest video game slash franchise or whatever of all time. So started out in 2003, mainly made it's an FPS genre, World War Two games for the first three installments. As of April 2021 sold 400 million copies worldwide, Jesus making it the Christ. third best-selling video game franchise of all time. Behind, it's only behind Mario and Tetris. Aren't there 19 of them though? Uh, I didn't count how many there were because there's a lot of spin-offs and stuff as well. And like we said, I earlier, think there are 19 of them. They released it on the Nokia as well. <laughs> there's a what? version, of, yeah. There's a version on Nokia Engage, which was like a weird Nokia smartphone game console they released in 2003 or 2002. What? Um, only ran for a year. So this is blowing my mind. Yeah. So you could also get it on BlackBerry as well. Um, what? And Android. Yeah. <laughs> you can play Call of Duty on your BlackBerry. Yeah. People have Blackberries. Yeah, not anymore, obviously, but you could do back in the day. That's blowing my cock off. Yeah. So, yeah, 400 million copies sold as of last fiscal year. That's going to go up massively this year because they released a new one this year like they do every year. Five of the top 50 best-selling video games of all time. Now, also, that list includes downloads as well. So it also includes free-to-play games. So, like, PUBG is quite high on there. But there are five of the top 50 are Call of Duty games. And if you exclude PUBG because it's free-to-play, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2019 is the best-selling FPS game of all time in 19th so what so the most recent call of duty is the best no, selling of all called time. 2019 What's the that? modern warfare 2019 that uh warzone was based off is the best selling fps game uh, of all time, yeah. oh, is that just shit. because of warzone though surely no because warzone's free to play but does that count in the statistics i don't think it does 
You sure? Yeah. I didn't even know that uh, game did that well. It did amazingly well because it was a return to the Modern Warfare series. It was a return from like jetpacks and flying around and a lot of the negative reception. It really revitalized and re- gave Call of Duty a massive resurgence. Hence why Warzone's so popular as well, probably. Because Warzone wasn't the first Battle Royale they ever did, but it just happens to be the most successful. Well, it was, um, it was Battle Royale, but in COD form. COD's extremely popular, so yeah. it's like you're going to have a lot of people jumping on that, especially because Battle Royales were What I mean is they, they had Battle Royale in the, pre- the installment before that. Yeah, they did. Oh, that. did yeah, they? Warzone Black. wasn't the first one. Yeah, there was, a, there was another one, but oh. it wasn't very popular. But yes, yeah, it it's, holds the world record, obviously, for the best-selling FPS genre of all time as well. So that's where we're at. You know, they mainly released World War II games from 2003. But in 2007, Call of Duty changed the game industry forever with COD 4 Modern Warfare. It's probably a lot of people's favorite COD game of all time. Um, It introduced Call of Duty to the modern setting to compete with Battlefield 2. Call of Duty was never going to be the, you know, the same again. It was never going to be a successful World War II shooter ever again. It was always going to be people wanting a modern shooter, not a futuristic one, just set in the modern day. That's always what people beg for when they think of Call of Duty. It introduced an amazing campaign, a really immersive campaign with a great storyline, grounded in semi-reality. It was quite gritty and stuff. It had amazing, memorable characters like Captain Price and Soap McTavish. Everyone fell in love with these guys. And the multiplayer was revolutionary as well. Introduced kill streaks into it so three kills for a uav five for an airstrike and then seven for attack helicopter so introduce rewards for not dying and getting kills in a row as well really changed the game for the arcade shooters as well at the time and most importantly introduced the creator class and the perk system which every single call of duty game has had as its absolute foundation going forward and to be honest, since COD 4 and Modern Warfare 2, it's never really been done as well as in those two installments. There's been different variations of it, and they've tried to spice it up loads of those times, but really, all you want is your primary, your secondary weapon, pick an attachment, three perks, a grenade, away you go. That's what COD is. It's bare bones. It's boots on the ground. It's just run around, shoot people, kill people, die, do it again. It's just rinse and repeat, dopamine, bang, bang, bang. None of this complicated law shit. You win 10 grand if you can figure out the story of it. No, here's a gun. <laughs> Go and shoot someone. It feels great. Fantastic. So that's COD 4. Fast forward a couple of years, 2009. Wow, the big one. Modern Warfare 2 is released. It was pandemonium. We were all at school when this happened, so we all know how big that game was when it came out. It was insane. Everybody was playing it at school. All the nerds were all playing with all the cool kids, and everybody was friends, and we were all on Call of Duty. Were you a nerd or a cool kid? Um, I was probably neither. I was probably just one of the annoying ones in the class trying to be funny. Well, you weren't smart enough to be a nerd. No. And you weren't cool enough to be a cool kid. So you're kind of just, you know, like, you know, like the in-betweeners, you know. Well, no, they're, they're well down the peck. You know, a loser. Like, (laughs) 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 I'm like almost one beer deep. (laughs) (laughs) But even if I was a loser, Vinny, it didn't matter when COD Modern Warfare 2 came out. Everybody, the losers would be best friends with the cool kids. So you were best friends with the cool yeah, kids? Yeah, everybody was having a great time over Just Xbox Live. We'd all plug our headsets in, get home from school, headset in, away we go. Let's have some fun. I actually remember, um, I'm pretty certain it was Modern Warfare 2, the day it released. Do you remember Mr. Baker? Our, uh, I don't know if, he, actually no, he was our head of year actually, my bad. 
But anyway, our head of year came into one of our classrooms and they like asked the teacher if a couple students were missing. She said yes. And he was like, right, okay. And basically it was just because like, I think like 20 or 30 kids in my year yeah. basically just, just completely just like, just, you I'm know, dark. because it released, they just completely, they ditched school basically. And then you got into a lot of shit for it. But like, I mean, it shows how big you it had was to. really at the you time. You had to. I mean, I remember Tesco doing a deal. It was, I mean video games everyone talks about how expensive they are but even back then they were like 45 50 quid or whatever weren't they you know and as a kid you know you're like what 13 14 you don't have any money so on the release day of every every year when call of duty released tesco would do it for 27 pounds every single year i'm like oh dad you know get down and get it for me and you go down and get it for the super cheap tesco deal so yeah it was big you would bunk off school and and play it all on day one because you had to like i said it was it was absolutely massive it's still to this day one of the best-selling fps games of all time it had a lot of controversy a lot of iconic moments it was in the news all the time mainly for the no russian mission where Mm. in the campaign again it took the campaign from cod 4 modern warfare and just elevated it again putting more twists it was more gritty it was the same characters that you were following went on from the story but just took it up another level in the no russian mission you're playing as a, a cia operative you're behind enemy lines with the russians and the mission is just to exit out of an elevator the main bad guy makarov tells you remember no russian don't don't speak any russian they you know we're about to commit a terrorist act and we don't want anybody thinking it was russia and you just go through the whole mission shooting civilians in an airport. That is the objective of the mission. And it caught a lot of flack. Maybe rightly so, you know. You can choose not to shoot anybody and still complete the mission. You don't have to kill anyone, but it's all still happening around you. It was really, really controversial at times. Maybe one of the most controversial moments in gaming, I reckon. They just put it on the map even more. It was absolutely huge. It was absolutely everywhere. I think that is like up there with like the torture scene in GTA 5, which is also like huge controversy when it first came out. Yeah, it, it just puts it on the map because controversy sells, doesn't it? You see that and you're like, oh, wow, I want to you know, play that. You're, you're a kid, you're you know, a teenager, whatever. And even though it's controversial, you can still play it. You can still watch films that that's portrayed and stuff like that. And it's what you want to see, isn't it? We're intrigued by the, the taboo and stuff like that. So, yeah, it was it was massive. It was all over the news and it just elevated sales even more probably. It not only took the campaign supernova, it expanded on the multiplayer as well. Briefly go over, but it just more weapons, more attachments, more kill streaks introduced the chopper gunner, the AC one thirty, the legendary tactical nuke as well, which we'll get into a little bit more later on when I go through the gameplay. But the multiplayer experience of Modern Warfare two was like nothing else. Quick scoping. Do I need to say more? Three sixty MLG no scopes. For those listening who maybe don't know what that is. There is nobody listening who doesn't know what that is. There could be. Okay. My mum could be listening. I hope she's not. I bet she knows what a quickscope is. (laughs) 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 It was was sniping. It was like using a sniper rifle, but not as it was intended. It was like jumping around like a fool, trying to do trick shots that you'd seen on YouTube montages where you're trying to snipe someone from across the map without looking down the scope. You know, not very sneaky-beaky like an actual sniper laying down in a bush and waiting for your target to line up. You were just trying to scope in as quickly as possible and get the shot off. And it was a culture. It was a movement. Everybody was trying to do it. If you weren't trying to quickscope, you weren't really playing Call of Duty, were you? It was everybody's trying to do it. It's not actually the easiest thing in the world to do. And it was just a movement where everybody was doing it. It was huge. So going on from Modern Warfare to the series kind of takes a little bit of a downturn. But like we said, Modern Warfare 19 came out 2019, a reboot of the Modern Warfare series. 
amazing graphics, amazing grit. That's got some really big moments in the campaign as well. It's got a moment where you're playing as a child soldier and you have to, some bloke, well, not really a child soldier, but you're kind of, you're a kid in a war zone and there's like a bloke, uh, an enemy guy who's coming into your house he like kills your father in front of you and you have to like crawl around underneath the air ducts and stuff and you pick up a screwdriver and you kill this guy also like protect your brother and your dad and stuff and you're like playing as like an eight-year-old girl or something so it's yeah really gritty really controversial but it's really good the storyline is really in-depth the graphics and the weapon animations are unbelievable they're you know highly praised as some of the best in the fps genre ever they are so good and like I said, it took it massive sales, best-selling FPS game of all time. Warzone spawned from it. We all played it during the pandemic. It's absolutely huge. Warzone has completely taken over Battle Royales, which are the biggest gaming genre at the moment, aren't they? Fortnite's huge. They've had to, Fortnite had to change their like model way of doing things. You're not allowed to build in Fortnite anymore, are you? What I heard is that they took away building they build a mechanic for like a week or two and most people well most people who play fortnite are all 13 year olds who all just know how to build and like that's where all the skill comes from so they all complained about it but for the people with finer tastes people who played other games not just fortnite they were like yeah exactly yeah but i think they went back on themselves but it's because of cod because in cod there's none of that is there and it's all about gunplay and everything else like i feel like it's had an impact because warzone has taken away a huge amount of that player base because it's so good and because like you said call of duty is so popular and it's got mechanics like create class and stuff that you don't get another battle royale you're not just trying to find the best loot you can bring your own loot you can level up your own weapons and customize it to how exactly how you want to set it up and bring that into the battle royale with you so yeah warzone's been hugely popular and even now it's still really popular and it's gone massively downhill since modern warfare 2019 but it's still like one of the biggest games going right now you know on twitch it's one of the most streamed games every single week it's absolutely huge even now so that's just a, like a, an overview of Call of Duty. What I want to do now is go into a little bit more of the actual gameplay. So like I said, the campaign, some of them are absolutely great. The Modern Warfare trilogy, COD 4, MW2 and MW3. It's got a really great storyline where you follow Soap, Roach, all these memorable characters. You're trying to fight Makarov throughout pretty much the whole thing. I, if you haven't played it, it's, a, it's just a genuinely really gritty story, which you don't get with a lot of Call of Duty games nowadays or a lot of FPS games in general. I don't know if you've ever played any of the Battlefield campaigns, but they're pretty lackluster. But with COD, if I was buying a new COD back in the day, I'd probably play the campaign first before even touching the multiplayer because they were that good. I just wanted to play single player on a on an arcade multiplayer game. It's quite a rare thing. So they really nailed a lot of the campaigns. They're really, really good. Really good cinematic action mixed in with good gunplay, some really memorable missions. The sniper missions are really good. The no Russian mission is just mind boggling that they can get away with that. The bit where General Shepard betrays you and shoots you in Ghost and burns your bodies. Wow, that's a brilliant twist. Everybody loves that. And Modern Warfare 19 as well, highly praised for its campaign. But like I said, you know, I would usually play it first, but that's not the highlight of Call of Duty gameplay. The highlight is the multiplayer. It's an arcade shooter. It's just run and gun mainly. It's just boots on the ground. That's where it's best. It's just, here's your weapons, bring them in. 6v6, let's go. Let's have a fight in the same maps that we're used to every single time. It's just go again and again and again. And it's just grind, grind, grind. Better attachments. How does this gun feel? How does this one differ? Assault rifles, shotguns, snipers, secondaries, launchers, everything. Grind for camos, grind for attachments, grind for prestige, grind for ranks, grind for titles and emblems that you can show off to your mates or your achievements and accomplishments. It's got, it's so much to show off. There's so many things you can show everybody. There's such a big community. It's just so repetitive and 
it can't that you might think is that, that a good thing? I was just gonna say you <laughs> might think that's a bad thing, but it's not, is it? Because people sink hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours because it's just grind it's mind numbing fun. It's not it's just <laughs> It's just They're gonna put out the next box, They should because that's what it is. At the end of the day, you just want to chill out. Brain dead. Fun. Yeah, you just want to shut off from the world. Brain dead farm for brain dead people. Yeah. <laughs> you want to shut off from the world. You might be tired. You're like, oh, I can't be bothered. I'm just gonna plug this in and go. It's just bliss. You don't got to think about nothing else. Just what's in front of you. Lovely. Don't you think that's bliss? Mm. For 400 million people, it is. <laughs> I think in terms of scale, it is very popular to play devil's umpire again. What I would ask you is this. Do you not think that Call of Duty maybe appeals to the lowest common denominator? It's not the best game for someone, but it's a great game for everyone. Yeah, I don't. I'm I'm going to this is going to sound stupid as I'm arguing it's the greatest game of all time. But I don't think it is the most perfect, the best game ever for the highest yeah, individual. But it doesn't have to be. That's the whole point of it. It doesn't have to be because it's everything else. It doesn't have to be perfect. That's not why it's just fun. Why do we play games at the end of the day? It's fun. It's something fun to do with your time. It's just pure fun. It doesn't need to be any more complicated than that. It's just pure fun. I played a shit ton of World of Warcraft and I didn't feel like I accomplished anything. Yeah, but that's not... And that was very, like... That was very brain-melting, brain-numbing fun, whatever you call it. But this isn't, like, brain-numbing fun to that extent, is it? It's just fun for a few hours. Because it is... It's got that perfect balance of... It's not so repetitive that you feel guilty or bad about yourself. And it's just repetitive enough that it keeps you entertained for the right amount of time to just give you just enough satisfaction. I mean, isn't that just MMOs in general? Just, like, go over here, kill ten of these boars, cool quest rewards... Okay, go over there and kill 10 of these. But like I said, but you have balls. to sink so many hours into that, don't you? But you don't have to do that. Well, no, the whole, the whole, a lot of fun of is just the leveling up and the grinding and just doing the same repetitive tasks over and over again. That's, it's the mind numbingness that's enjoyable for a lot of people. Does that not say something weird about humanity? The idea that we escape our mind numbingly boring existence by going online and doing mind numbingly boring things? Well, yeah. <laughs> I do think yeah, that's interesting, deep. but it is deep, but yeah. I do think that's a very interesting way of looking at it, yeah. But what I was going to say to you mm. was this. Do you think Call of Duty's heyday has passed? Because I agree with you that I look back fondly at a time when everyone would go home and play Modern Warfare 2. I wasn't one of those kids. I didn't have an Xbox or a PlayStation when I was a kid. I didn't even have a TV. But I remember going to mates' houses and I remember watching videos on the computer. Even I, as a non-gamer at the time, was still obsessed with everything that was going on in Call of Duty. That's how infectious it was. Do you think that that is still the case or do you think that that has has moved I do think it's not the case. I think it is not the case. I think that the Modern Warfare 19 was really good and that's why it sold a hell of a lot of copies because it tapped into a bit of that. But I don't think you'll ever get back to the heyday of Modern Warfare 2, which is why I said I'll asterisk COD being the GOAT with sort of Modern Warfare 2 really being the best one. Because, yeah, I don't think it gets better than that. And and we'll go into it because I've got loads about Modern Warfare 2 and the influence that it's had. 
I'd love to know more about why you specifically think that Modern Warfare 2 is the best of the best because you're saying it's the, it's best, the best franchise. It's the best of the franchise, definitely, yeah. And and you're saying yeah. that Call of Duty in general is the best video yeah. game franchise ever made and that Modern Warfare 2 is the I best, the of, best that of that franchise. Yeah. And it's yeah, definitely. It's most people's favorite. It had a huge variety, just enough variety of weapons and attachments without being really overwhelming. Some of the more modern ones, I don't, you know, don't even know what you're shooting, some futuristic whatever. This was just your standard modern military weapons, recognizable, standard attachments, just enough to grind for, but not too much where it feels like this is pointless. Like, well, you know, why am I sinking hours into this? Because there's so much. It was just the perfect amount. Everything was overpowered. Nothing was weak. Any selection you made made you feel like an absolute god. And that's really, you know, like, that's why quick skipping became so popular. Even a sniper rifle from close range made you feel like an absolute god. It wasn't fair, but it was fun. That's the point. It was just so much fun. <laughs> Everything was overpowered. There was no game balance in it whatsoever. Had absolutely the best map selection of all time. And like you said, you didn't play Modern Warfare 2. But if I say 1v1 me on Rust to you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I do know. I know exactly, exactly what, what I'm talking about. The maps were that good. You didn't even have to see them to know what they were all about. Just word of mouth, you knew what they were. Favela, Terminal, High Rise, Rust. They were brilliant. They had multiple levels. They weren't just three lane maps every single time. They had different stories, things that could explode, map interactivity, different locations, deserts, modern settings, airports. Dustfield deserts, wastelands, snowy places. I said deserts twice. Deserts and deserts with dust in them. Forests everywhere. <laughs> it was definitely the best map selection of the lot. It was madness. Explosions everywhere. Bullets flying, missiles, helicopters. The audio was insane. I'm going to play an audio clip for you right now. Some of the voice acting is unbelievable. This is um when somebody will call in an AC-130. Now, this is popularized quite a lot. This is memed quite a lot, but hit, listen to this. This is the kind of level that we're talking about. Now, if you hear that <laughs> in your headset and you're not shitting yourself, you know, you may as well be really at war. That is unreal. If you hear this, I'm going to play it again. If you hear this guy in your ear telling you this, It's unbelievable. The voice <laughs> acting is insane. It's, it's crazy. It's just, it's just pure... Ex- <laughs> Your example of the, like, cream of the crop, like, the best voice acting you've ever heard in a video game ever. <laughs> it's a two-second clip and someone screaming down the microphone. I work in here is just clipping because it's yeah. so loud. Exactly. Exactly. Do you think War's quiet, Vinny? I don't think so. I think it is enormous. <laughs> I think that's exactly what you would hear. It's immersive. Don't tell me it's not. <laughs> Sorry, since when was no scoping, 360 no scoping, fucking immersive. Right, don't chat shit about 360 no scoping. We're getting on to that in a minute. <laughs> I'm saying you can't have your cake and eat it there. But buddy. it's also like the kill streaks, the AC 130, they're so overpowered. If you get enough kills in a row, you're not just shooting on the ground with your weapons, with your with your assault rifle now. You're taking command of a huge air warship raining death and fire from above it's not like i said it's not fair it's, it's overpowered to the max but it's so much fun when you get that ac-130 you get that chopper gunner and you just obliterate the enemy team and then if you are getting enough kills if you keep going you keep pushing on and pushing on without dying the legendary tactical nuke you can't say that's not one of the best maybe worst game mechanics of all time you literally you are so good you've been so good in that match you're just going to end it for everybody 
It's like, nah, I- I've done it. It's like a golden Yeah, snitch. you golden snitched it. You're like, nah, mate, look, you might be having a great game. I'm having a better one. See you later. Drop the tactical nuke. It's game over for everybody. Go home. Put your controller down. Switch it off. It's done. Legendary. I thought the tactical nuke just killed everyone on the map. And ends the game. No, ends the game. And it ends the game as well. You instantly win, even if you're losing. It's that good. That doesn't sound fun. It is fun. Getting the nuke is the best thing ever. It sounded like with the golden stitch, though. It's like, yeah, we're winning. And then suddenly the other team gets the golden stitch. Okay, they've won. Cool. It's not fun. No, yeah. This is the whole point. It's not fun for you if you're on the receiving end. But if you're getting the nuke, it doesn't get better than that. Getting a nuke on Modern Warfare 2, it doesn't get better than that. Dark Souls cannot compete with getting a nuke on Modern Warfare 2. It cannot. It cannot. It categorically cannot. Well, one is mostly a single-player game. No. The is mostly a multiplayer game. No, it cannot. My next title, Influence. (laughs) (laughs) This is getting intense now. This is dribble. I'm going to defend this to the death. What do you mean, dribble? It's it's dribble. Influence. No, because you th- we think it's a joke and we think it's a meme and we get into the memes, but it is influential. I'll tell us, phase. <laughs> no, I, it is influential. I fully agree. One influential phase clan. I fully agree with that. I fully gaming agree. Are two of the all the two biggest competitive gaming teams, industries, franchises, companies, whatever you want to call them. They are like taking it to another stratosphere. They both started. By quickscoping montages on Modern Warfare 2. That is humongous, the way that they've gone from 360 MLG no scopes, it's all a meme, it's all a joke, to genuine careers in elevating esports to something that might even be in the Olympics. I think COD <laughs> put esports in the not. Olympics. I said it, it's it's there. It, it, there's a case for it, you can't deny that. You can. You can't. No, I'm telling you. If you FaZe are at the Olympics, you can't. A phase at the if Olympics. They, go, they might be. They they might be the biggest American team. There might there might be members from Phase or Optic in the American Olympic team. Why not? If esports gets in the Olympics, why wouldn't they be? Never, never, no, no, no. What is talk? What, well, they're, what? they're trialing esports at the Commonwealth Games, aren't they? Are they? To, yeah, I saw a news article about it the other day. They want esports to oh, be an Olympic, hell. an Which Olympic sport. Is I don't it know. Duty? Hopefully, then I'll be right. <laughs> Do you know what it is as well? I'm shocked because the word on the entertainment street was always, whether it's within my professional life, like talking through podcasting or talking through like games media or whatever, was that sports channels and media executives always wanted esports to be more popular than it was. That's what the narrative that I was always told was that actually executives understand esports. They just say it's like sports, but it's on a video game. And they go, oh yeah, let's put some money into that. But like actually the figures and the engagement is never as high as people want it to be. However, if they're talking about putting it into the Commonwealth Games, that has to have changed. Yeah, it has and it, to, it... do you know why? Modern Warfare 2. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what? It's not true. Do you know why YouTube is so popular now? It's mosh. Modern Warfare 2. No. Are you, you going to yeah. go through? Do you, know every... why ga- do you know why gaming is so big on youtube all the most popular you know the the videos that get the most views on youtube now are gaming videos aren't they yeah let's plays and stuff is it minecraft Probably. no let's plays let's plays move to um twitch it's not as big a thing on youtube but it all started even twitch all started because of 
360 no-scope montages back in 2009, before Twitch even came out. In the infancy of YouTube, everybody was watching Only Use Me Blade and <laughs> classic montages and stuff like that. Exactly. And videos, uh, videos like Mum Get the Camera. I'm going to play it for you now. Oh God. You would have heard this before, but this Mummy! is this is classic. Oh, oh my god! Oh! Oh my fucking god! If that doesn't scream... He just hit an amazing trick shot, by the way. If that doesn't scream greatest game of all time, I don't know what, I don't know what will. Oh, God. Do you not remember those times, though? Those screaming videos? Yeah, I, do you remember- that elevated YouTube to the popularity what, that it is what now. What is it about Call of Duty and screaming? I don't know. But that's how it started. And it is re- it's changed the world. I think what it is is just most of the people who played it back in the day were about 12 years old. So exactly. Uh, they, yeah, hormones running high and whatnot. Yeah, and it, it elevated streaming and Twitch, and it created esports. Everything it all started <laughs> with those montages. I don't. And you know what? No, Halo really. was. Hey, no, 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 no. Halo was a bigger <laughs> es. Halo was the definitive FPS esport. And before that, Quake was the fucking definitive esport for FPSs. So you can't say anything Call of Duty related invented FPSs on esports. Either fucking or just esports in general, right? I'm angry. No, no, no. Listen, let... just, no, 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 no. Wait, wait. I'm with Vinny here, and I, God, Christ, I'm annoyed with both of you. <laughs> Vinny was just fucking 45 minutes of him tossing off about how difficult it was, and yours is making outrageous claims about the influence of Call of Duty on our entire society. Yeah. In my mind. The esports FPS baton goes Quake, Halo, Counter Strike, the other one, Counter Strike Source, Counter Strike Go. I'll give you that, but COD has phase and optic, and they're bigger than all of those. And that's a fact. <laughs> and that's a fact. And you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up now, okay? Because I've clearly oh. won. All right. <laughs> Um, you could do your summary in a minute or whatever you're going to do but listen listen all right i'm going to wrap it up modern warfare is the best of all the cod games by far and cod is the greatest video game franchise of all time and to all you other video games out there listen to this (laughs) the best it's the goat it's going in the goat pen Oh god! So is that that's the end of your lecture on Call of Duty? That's it. I've closed my notepad. Yes, I wrote it down again. Yes, I drew some pictures. It's you drew closed. Some pictures? I drew some little <laughs> stick men. <laughs> Doing what? Shooting people. Uh, oh Christ! So now I have to come to a conclusion about which one of these two I think is the greatest game of all time. Oh. So just to summarise, let me summarise for both of you, and then you can jab in if you think I've got it wrong, okay? Okay. Mm -hmm. Vinny, you think that Dark Souls is the best because it is the most rewarding gaming experience that you think you can get as a gamer. If you want the most rewarding experience you can have in a video game, Dark Souls is that. Is that what you think? More or less, yeah. 
and that the way that Dark Souls allows you to pull bits of intrigue and interest out of the game without handing them to you gives a greater sense of satisfaction once you finish the game and once you've had the full Dark Souls experience because you kind of you had to work for it you found it yourself it was your journey kind of thing yeah pretty much yeah cool and Michael (laughs) (laughs) you think Uh, yes Seb the Call of Duty and the Call of Duty franchise with a specific focus on Modern Warfare 2 yeah is the greatest video game of all time because it brought us quick scoping montages on YouTube um well i mean yeah that's part of it yeah and that because it's had the greatest influence of any video game on popular culture well i need to tread lightly on that one but pretty big influence yep yep and you're forgetting one thing it's very fun (laughs) do you know what that is that is where it comes down to for me that's why i'm trying to talk it through with both of you because what this comes down to is it's the two opposite ends of the spectrum i think that's why this is such an interesting episode is that on the one hand you've got a game that is incredibly difficult incredibly balanced in the sense that you don't get any hand-me-downs everyone starts on an equal space and you play mostly singularly unless you invite other people into your you know into your game or whatever don't quite know what that mechanic's called but you know what i mean summoning summoning yeah if unless you summon someone else to help you defeat a boss or whatever you know it's a it's a pretty singular game with a fairly hidden but depthy narrative yeah. and then on the other end of the spectrum you've got a game that is it is a roller coaster in the sense that you're just plonked down in front of a screen your consequences in the game don't have the most enormous impact on the storyline and you can't do much to change your version of the narrative but it is high octane high impact twists and turns heel turns and oh my god he was good and now he's bad and blah blah blue and it's the ultimate multiplayer it's talking to your friends it's being called racial slurs by some fucking 12 year old it's pop culture iconography and I have to choose which of those two I think is the greatest video game of all time. God, I hate myself for this. <laughs> You're not, are you? Go on, go on. I think, despite one of the most bizarre lectures we've had so far <laughs> on the show. <laughs> it could be talking about either of us. That I think the greatest video game of all time in terms of its impact on pop culture and the fact that if you say Call of Duty to anyone, my dad, my mum, they'll all know what it is. In terms of span and in terms of how many people have played it and how many people have memories of it, I think the greatest video game of all time is Modern Warfare 2. Yes. I'm not going to revel in the victory too much, but Vinny, I I just want you to hear this i just want to tell you one thing fair enough oh god i want to burn this whole episode <laughs> i think that was brilliant i am buzzing i am yeah. very happy thank you very yeah. much Seb. i'm gonna put it on the shelf now so we've got oh god we've got paul mccartney is dead next to oj simpson and modern warfare 2's right next to him oh, i think that me. looks great i think three episodes in i think the goat pen the trophy rack whatever we're gonna call it 
I think it's filling up nicely. I think it looks really good. I think they are the goats. I think, unfortunately, you're right. I do think I do think that Call of Duty is the biggest and therefore, in that sense, the greatest video game of all time. I think it just is. It is a bit of a bombshell, isn't it? I mean... It is. I don't really know what to say. I'm yeah, sure. I think we're probably going to get a lot of stick for this. I do think some people might be annoyed that we haven't even talked about Starcraft, League of Legends. Oh, we don't Dota. need any of that shit. It's all I think about Half Life One actually might be the best game of all time, to be honest. Open. Yeah, I was going to say Half Life is ridiculous. Half Life One what? was ridiculous Guys, when it came out. It no. blew everything out of the water. And Portal Two was also Hello? really good. And Halo <laughs> Two, Halo no. One, fantastic games. Guys, um, we've done it. We've crowned it. It's definitive now. <laughs> remember, we remember episode yeah, one. No, no, we said I, it. I totally agree with you. Once it's been said, it's I'm panicking now. I think that's why it hurts so much. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know it hurts, Seb, but we have to accept it as reality. Okay, well, on that note, I think this has been weirdly our best episode yet, despite being the most shambolic. Don't forget the Telemate challenge. Telemate, send him a link to the show or just tell him, have you listened to that Goats podcast? It's not actually about goats. It's about the greatest of all time. It's funny. And they talk a lot about sexy flash games. Screenshot it, send it to us, and we'll shout your name out at the end of next show. In the description of this show will be how you you send us the information. Exactly. And um, on that note, I don't really have anything else to say other than sorry. I have nothing else to say either. See you next week, boys. And uh, Vinny, better luck next time. (laughs) Such a robber in, mate. I enjoyed I your speech, really right? You, you, have yeah, you have to be so salty about it. <laughs> salty winner. Oh. You called me a loser when I was at school, so fuck Just you. because I knew you at school, mate. <laughs> <laughs>